0: This is Anthony Morganti. Welcome to my podcast for the joy of photography. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. You probably noticed that I didn't do the podcast last week. That's because I really didn't have anything interesting to talk about. I'm not going to do the podcast every week just to talk. Uh, My hope is that you gain some knowledge from the podcast, something that helps you with your photography or helps you with your photography business. And if I really don't have anything that I think is of interest, I will skip the podcast and uh, wait until I have something interesting to talk about and I do this week thanks to a uh, viewer Jorge uh, he emailed me and he made the suggestion that I talk about camera settings here and there throughout my videos I mention how I have my camera set up and he thought it would be interesting to know all my different camera settings and why I have my camera set up the way I do. Now I really should say that there's really no right or wrong way to set up your camera. That's why there's so many settings. Uh, The camera should be customized so that it works best for you. So I'm going to go over my camera settings for a lot of the different major functions of a camera and I'll explain why I have them set up the way I do. Some are because of my style and some are because of my stubbornness to change and some just work best for certain situations, and I'll use a different uh, setting for a different situation. So, without further ado, let's get into my camera settings. First of all, I should say right off the top, I use back button focus, and just about any really advanced amateur to professional I've ever encountered uses back button focus, and if you're not using back button focus, I encourage you to do so. It's just a much better way overall to focus with a camera think about it when you're focusing with the shutter button you have to press the shutter button down halfway and you'll achieve focus and then if you're going to recompose you would have to hold that button down so that it doesn't try to re-grab focus so for instance let's say you're using the rule of thirds and you instead of taking the time to move the focus point over the subject, you kind of just tilt your camera over to the left, let's say, where the subject is, and you press that focus button down or the shutter button down halfway to achieve focus. Now you have to hold that down, recompose, then press it the rest of the way down to take the picture. That isn't always the most efficient way. If you use the back button and you don't feel like you know, moving the focus point over your subject, you could tilt your camera over to the left, put that focus point over your subject, focus with the back button, let go once your camera achieves focus, then recompose and press the shutter button down, knowing that the shutter's not going to try to regain focus. That's one advantage. There's a lot if you're using ND filters, especially darker ND filters like a 10 stop ND filter. Your camera won't be able to focus with the filter on, so what you have to do is focus first on something with the filter off. If you're using shutter button focus, you'd have to then put your lens or focus part of your camera in manual focus mode, then put on the ND filter, then press your shutter button. If you're using back button focus, you could just focus with the back button, put your ND filter on, then press the shutter button down. You don't have to hit any other knobs or switches or anything, and it will take the picture without trying to reachieve focus. And there's more reasons to that. I mean, I could go on and on about button, back button focus. So I encourage you to use it if you're not already using it. Just Google, uh, or just search on YouTube, um, back button focus for whatever model camera you're using and I'm sure you'll find a video where someone will show you how to set up your menu to use back button focus on your camera and then practice using it it's only going to take you a day to get used to it and it really does work great so with that said I use back button focus now as far as camera modes I don't use any auto modes or any program modes I use aperture priority mode shutter priority mode and manual mode and I have specific situations where I'll use one over another I'm probably using aperture priority mode the most. Uh, that is mainly because I do a lot of landscapes, so in landscape sh- photography the aperture usually is the most important um, facet of the exposure triangle, meaning uh, be- ISO, aperture, and shutter speed. So. In a landscape, you usually want you know good depth of field, and I like to pick an aperture somewhere in the middle, F8-F11. So I'll put my camera in aperture priority mode and put F8-F11 on my, my uh, setting for the aperture. The camera's going to pick the shutter speed, and usually for, let's say, a landscape, I'm going to have the ISO as low as my camera could go. So on some cameras, it's 100, on some other cameras I own, it's 64. So I'll have it as low as possible. Well, on some of my Fuji cameras, it's 200. So I'd have it on the lowest ISO possible. And then set my aperture and I'm good to go. So I use aperture priority mode a lot. I probably use manual mode just as much, uh, especially in studio situations. I'm always in manual mode. Uh, So I'm setting up my lights. Whenever I use artificial lights, I'm going to be in manual mode. And I use a light meter to determine my settings for my camera. So I use a Sekonic L4708D, I think is the model. So I'll meter my lights, and I usually have the light power set so that I will have, I'll be using an aperture that's F8F11. I like to stay in that area unless... Sometimes I really want to have a shallow depth of field and maybe I'll be using um, an f1.2 lens or 1.4 lens or even a 2.8 lens. In those cases, then I, I meter the light for an aperture that's wide open like that. So regardless of what the aperture I want to use is... I'll meter the light for that aperture and for my shutter sync speed, which um, usually is like f 250, or I'm sorry, 1/250th of a second for uh, Nikon cameras. I use sometimes I'll use 1/200th of a second. I found sometimes with my uh, like my Nikon D850, if I shoot in portrait mode and I have the shutter speed at 1/250th of a second, I'll get a little chunk of the um of the curtain in the shot when you're not supposed to and so i'll just slow it down to one two hundredth of a second and it doesn't ever do it in in um landscape orientation only in portrait orientation Well, i get that so i did it on my uh, nikon d800e as well i've noticed so uh studio artificial light situation i'm always in manual mode now, I'll use shutter priority mode. I use this one the least if I'm going um, wherever the shutter speed is most important. So if I'm uh, wildlife that's moving very quickly and I want to freeze the action, or, or sports photography, you know, someone's running football, baseball, whatever, I know that I need to freeze the action, then I'll be in shutter priority mode. And I'll put my shutter uh, speed, I'll set my shutter speed at something that I know is going to freeze the action One. Two thousandth of a second four thousandth of a second and then when I do that I, I make note of what aperture the camera is choosing for the ISO I happen to have set so I usually like to try to keep the ISO as low as possible so if I'm in shutter priority mode and I need let's say a shutter speed of one two thousandth of a second to freeze the action so I have it in one two thousandth of a second I'll start out with ISO of 100 maybe though it's underexposed then i know that i no matter what because the camera's choosing the aperture it can't choose an aperture wide enough to expose the scene properly so then i'll have to up my iso so i need a couple test shots here to kind of zero in on something that'll work um there are times I'll be in shutter priority mode and I want a little more depth of field. So I'll have to use a higher ISO so that it, my camera will pick an aperture that's, that's higher than wide open. So if I'm using a four lens, a lens that when it's wide open is F4, but I want more depth of field than F4 will give me, I'll up my ISO until I get the aperture I want. Let's say F8 or F11. So, Um, one, two thousandth of a second, I'll up the aperture or I'll up the ISO. I'm sorry, until I get the aperture I want. So I don't use shutter priority as much only because I don't shoot like moving wildlife or, um, sports photography that much. Um, I do shoot wildlife, but most often it's a bird in a tree. It's not a bird flying. It's a, it's a, you know, a deer eating grass. It's not a deer running through a field or horses running across a meadow or anything like that but if it was then I would um, then I would use shutter priority mode in those cases if it is a bird in a tree a deer munching on grass then I'll, I'll probably be in aperture priority mode uh, because the shutter speed usually won't matter as much in those situations the next are focusing modes now there's uh, three focus modes on just about every camera camera there is theres a uh, What Nikon calls AF-S, Canon calls it single shot. It's just whenever you focus, uh, the camera's going to achieve focus and stop focusing. Um, Some cameras, depending on how you have the camera set up, it may beep. So you'd focus on a subject. As soon as it achieves focus, it'll beep telling you it achieved focus. If you have, like me, you have sounds turned off, a little like light will appear in the viewfinder or on the live view screen a little like indicator will come up telling you that it's achieved focus um, the other common mode is AF-C uh, that's what Nikon calls it uh, Canon calls it AI servo I'm not sure you know you're going to have to try to interpret a lot of these for your camera manufacturer I'm not sure what Sony or Olympus even though I own Fuji cameras and I've used a lot of Sony cameras I can't remember what they call these things Um, So uh, AF-C is a continuous focus mode so as long as you're pressing in the shutter button or half pressing the shutter or if you're using back button button focus like I recommend, as long as you're holding that button in, your camera is going to be continually focusing on whatever is under the focus area or focus point. To tell you the truth, my Nikon cameras are almost always in AF-C mode almost always um, I found it works great uh, the AF-C works fine now I recently got the mirrorless Nikon z6 and I'm experimenting and with that I haven't taken a lot of shots with that one yet so I'm not sure if AF-C works as well as AF-C does work on say my d850 so so on my DSLR Nikon cameras. It's in AF-C mode all the time, even when I'm in the studio. If I'm focusing on my model's eye, I'll have it in AF-C mode. It just works fine. It's, I have no need uh, to change it. Now, manual mode I don't use as much anymore. I did in the past, but the focus modes, the focusability or capabilities of all the cameras are so good. These autofocus is just working so well, I find I don't need to manually focus that much anymore. There are times though, on some macro shots, I may tweak the focus with, in manual mode, um, but I found that I don't, I used to do it in the studio a lot, I'd manually focus, but I find that I don't have to manually focus uh, much at all anymore, so I don't. Next we'll talk about regular AF modes. Now this is very, the jargon is very camera, manufacturer specific, hopefully you could interpret what I'm talking about and uh apply it to whatever camera model make you're using. Uh because mainly this is the way Nikon calls these things. There's single po single point autofocus. You just use one focus point and you move that focus point over your subject. I use that the most. That's my cameras are set up in that like probably at least 70 to 90% of the time. I just find it works well. So in the studio when I want to focus on my model's eye, I'll just put the single focus point right over my model's eye that is closest to me and uh focus that way. If I'm focusing on a bird in a tree, I put a single point over the bird's eye if I if it's close enough, over its head if it's just, you know, a little further away and I really that focus point's bigger than its eye, but I'll use the single focus point. So I use it for just about everything, even a landscape photo, I'll figure out where I'm going to focus and I'll put that single focus point over that area and grab focus that way. Um, Now if my cameras were equipped with eye detect autofocus, I would probably use that for the portraits in the studio. Um, My Fuji cameras have eye detect autofocus and it works very well, although I don't use the Fuji cameras in the studio. Uh, The Nikons don't have it, uh, from what I understand, the uh, mirrorless cameras in a firmware update, that's the Z6 and Z7, will get that in a future update. Um, I'll never use the Z6 in the studio, probably. I'll, I prefer to use my Nikon D850 right now, and I don't think I'm going to purchase the Z7. So, um, so if my cameras had eye detect autofocus, I'd probably use that in some situations where I'm currently using single-point autofocus. Now, another thing um, Nikon cameras have is called group autofocus. And that's just like a larger group instead of a single point. It's using a larger group of points. And I use that for stationary or slow-moving subjects that are further away, that I'm not really going to be focusing on their eyes. So there's a deer that's in a field or a horse, um, you know, horses on a beach and I'm going to focus on a horse or something. That's not really moving that way that quickly you know a bear something you know animals things like that um if i focusing on a boat in the in the you know in the ocean something like that i'll use group autofocus it works fine now if the subject is moving and the moving may be erratic then I'll use what Nikon calls dynamic area autofocus. It's pretty much like group autofocus, except it it is better for moving subjects. So if something's moving around, this will try to move with whatever it you initially focused on. So it's going to try to stay with it. I found it works pretty good. There's another one called auto area autofocus, which is even more dynamic, I think, than dynamic area autofocus, meaning it's, And you could change the size of this um, auto area. Dynamic area is kind of a fit size. Auto area, you could change the number of pixels it uses. So if you're focusing on a bird flying through the sky, across the sky, and you put your, you have the bird in the area, and you press the back button to focus, or you half press your shutter to focus, What will happen is the camera will use the focus points that are in that area that it thinks should work to focus on that bird and if you're taking a number of shots it's always going to try to refocus and keep that focus going using that auto area i don't use that that much Um, i just find it's a little more cumbersome and even if you use too large of an area it will miss focus it will tend to you'll miss a lot of shots now, 3D tracking I don't use, but every I know a lot of people that swear by it, and I only don't use it because I've never really practiced with it. It's something that I've, one of those things I'm always going to do. I'm always going to, you know, do. But a lot of people swear by Nikon's 3D tracking, that it works great. It's similar to dynamic area and auto area. It's kind of a blend of them, I guess. And it will look for contrast in color and movement, and it will try to uh, keep focus on that. And it supposedly works very well, like I said, but I've not used it. Maybe someday I'll really sit down and start using it. So those are the AF area modes or AF modes. I'm sorry. I, I tend to use single point autofocus almost exclusively. And if I'm out again, I'll group AF and dynamic area AF, depending on if the subject is moving erratically or standing still. Next are metering modes. Now, this is where I'm stubborn, I guess. Um, I use spot metering like 99 percent of the time. And um, the reason why I do is when the early days of photography and even digital photography, um, matrix meter mo- metering, metering mode, sometimes called evaluative evaluative metering, um, that type of metering tended to be very inconsistent. You could have your camera on a tripod pointed at a scene, and what Matrix Media does, it looks at the whole scene, the whole thing, and it kind of gives, uh, uh, and it evaluates the scene and gives you an average reading that should fit exposure for that scene. So you would have your camera on a tripod pointed at a scene, the light hasn't changed one bit, take a shot, Then wait maybe three seconds, take another shot, and you'll see your exposures are different. It would kind of bounce around, and it used to drive me crazy. And one thing um, you're going to find as you get more and more into photography is you really want to know what you're getting before you press the shutter. So I found with spot metering, I could put that my focus point over wherever I'm going to focus, and it will take the exposure reading from that point, and I would know what i'm getting if i'm focusing on a black dog i would know that my my resultant image is going to be overexposed if i was focusing on a white dog i'd know that i was going to be underexposed well why is that well if you're focusing on the black dog and you're using using spot metering the Focus point is on the black fur. Your camera, remember, always is trying to make everything middle middle gray. So what it will do is it's seeing black fur, but it's going to try to make it middle gray. So it's going to overexpose the picture. I know it's going to do that. So I would automatically put some negative exposure compensation in there so that it doesn't overexpose the picture. A lot more work, isn't it? This is where I'm stubborn is because it's, the technology has come a long way and matrix metering works a lot better now than it ever did. And it's probably a hundred percent now and I really should switch. So similarly, if you're focusing on the white dog, it's going to try to make the white fur medium gray. So it's going to underexpose the scene. So I would dial in positive exposure compensation. So I kind of knew what to do. I also knew in tricky lighting situations, if I just meter off the palm of my hand, I knew that the palm of my hand would um, underexpose the picture by about one-third of a stop. So I would add positive exposure compensation by one-third of a stop and get a perfect exposure for the scene. So so as I mentioned, it's, it's like a lot more work using spot metering, and I'm stubborn. But it does... I'm so used to using it and actually a lot of more, I'm not going to say old photographers, I'm going to say more of us experienced photographers use spot metering because of those reasons that we've had with mainly matrix metering. Um, Center weighted metering, the camera will, uh, it's kind of like matrix, but it gives more weight to whatever is in the center of the image. Well, quite often we're not, exposing for whatever is in the middle of the image we're exposing for the sky which might be at the top or we're exposing for something you know on the side or whatever so typically most of us don't use center weighted metering although some of the newer cameras or even the last cameras in the last seven years maybe um, that center weighted part moves with the focus point so if your focus point is way off to the left that's where the center weighted part is in the old days (laughs) the center weighted was always in the center of the frame no matter where your focus point was so that has improved also so I really am kind of stuck in my rut about metering I hope that made sense Um, use what works for you it's what works for me right so um, now I recently mentioned I I got the Nikon Z6 and I'm messing around with matrix metering and actually I'm pretty impressed with the exposures I'm getting with matrix meter, metering. Um, now of course, if I'm in a studio situation where I'm in manual mode, I'm not using any metering, right? I'm using my Sekonic l 478 d light meter to meter the scene, or meter my lights. And then I manually uh, adjust my camera to get the correct exposure. So that's metering modes. I know I convoluted that uh, story up quite a bit and it's kind of complicated, but Basically, that's why I do what I do, and it's not necessarily right. Next are drive modes. You have um, a single-shot drive mode. You press the shutter. You can hold it down. It's just going to take one picture. The next is low-speed continuous. You press the shutter, and it will take a number of pictures, but it's in a low speed. And Usually, with low-speed continuous, you could tell the camera how many images to take per second. Um, usually low speed depending on the camera it might be from three to maybe six images is low speed so you would tell it uh, in the menu system when you're in low speed continuous mode you want it to take three pictures four pictures five pictures whatever usually I have mine set to five uh, with most by cameras high speed continuous takes the maximum amount of images that camera could physically take for one second now, some cameras, you know, like um, like a D800E, it was like four pictures. That was the fastest it could do because the files were so large, the buffer wasn't that big. Um, things like, you know, that uh, physical limitations of the actual hardware, it couldn't go that fast. But on the other hand, if you used, um, like, uh, I think a D4, D5, Nikon, you could take like 12 frames per second, something like that. Um, so, uh, usually, now these are different situations where I would use one or the o- other. Now, obviously in a studio, I'm gonna use single shot, right? I'm not gonna be holding in the shutter, taking multiple images and letting my, my uh, strobes and studio strobes go flash, you know, cause they need to recycle. Um, so, single shot mode. Uh, usually with the landscape, single shot mode. Usually with street photography, single shot mode, but there are times with uh, some street photography where I'll be in uh, one of the other continuous modes. Uh, Maybe I'm catching people walking and I want to get their legs in a right position or there's action going on, um, you know, a skateboarder or something, and I want to capture continuous series of shots. So I'll be in some type of one of the two continuous modes. Usually. Depending on my camera, some cameras, when you're in one of the continuous modes, they'll black out, meaning between shots, when the shutter opens and closes, the viewfinder will go black. And if you're, let's say, tracking a bird flying across the sky, it'll black out and then you'll see the bird, then black out, see the bird, black out. Now, if you're using like a high speed continuous mode, that's, let's say, you know, I don't know, nine frames a second. It's blacking out so much you could barely track the bird because the it's hard. So often you'll do one of two things. You'll shoot in bursts. So you'll just press the shutter down and shoot off like, you know, one or two seconds worth of shots, let go, track the bird, another one or two seconds, track the bird one or two seconds. As you're going, uh, you know, so you're making sure that you're not losing sight of the bird flying across the sky. Um, or if you're not going to do that, you'd be in low speed. Uh, so you're just shooting, um, slower. It'll, it helps you track the animal a little easier. Um, so it depends. Some of my cameras don't black out as much as some of the others. Um, like my Nikon D 50 blacks out or my Nikon, I'm sorry, D 500. I don't think I use continuous mode much in my D 850 but in my D 500, I do. And it blacks out a like badly Uh, so high-speed continuous and I think that camera does nine frames a second so in high-speed continuous nine frames a second it sometimes is very difficult to track a moving object or subject Um, so I would prefer to go in low speed and usually I have it set to like five frames per second in low speed so um but in most instances, in most situations, I'm in single-shot drive mode. So I'm just taking one shot, and I'm not worried about taking a series of shots. I, I If I did more sports photography, I'd be in w- one of the more continuous modes, obviously. Um, and if I did wildlife photography where the animals were moving a lot and maybe moving erratically, then I'd be in one of the continuous modes. But since a lot of the animal shots I'm doing are pet shots, animals sitting or laying down or i'm at the zoo you know the, the animals in an enclosure and it's not really moving that quickly a single shot will work fine low speed works fine too so something like that and that's it those are my camera settings uh hopefully that made sense now again i'm going to reiterate that there's really no right or wrong way Uh, you know, you're the, the reason why those settings are there is so you could customize that camera to make it uh, work for you. And I encourage you to experiment with different settings. And actually, I think this is going to motivate me to, um, experiment with different metering modes because I do use spot metering pretty much exclusively. And I should try to work with, um, see how center weighted and matrix metering work. Um, maybe I'm, causing myself a little more work than is needed and I should try out one of those other modes. Thank you for watching my podcast for the joy of photography. Remember stop by my website onlinephotographytraining.com. There you'll find all my latest videos and articles to help you improve your photography. That's it for now. I'll talk to you guys soon. (music)